Please stand as you are able for the gospel lesson. The gospel is written in the third chapter of John, beginning at the first verse. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. The year is 1899. An American painter living in Paris, contemplates another work based on scripture. In fact, the passage that I just read in which Nicodemus visits Jesus at night. The artist's father was a prominent minister in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, and his mother was a former slave who escaped the South through the Underground Railroad. But now this American in Paris, Henry Osawa Tanner, only returns to the country of his birth for short visits. He chooses to live in Paris because of his skin color, 
His racial heritage is a burden in America, but not in Europe, where his work receives much acclaim. Envisioning the story of Nicodemus coming in the night, Tanner begins with a quick sketch in paint, which is the work you see here. Contemplating the biblical account, he sets Jesus and Nicodemus on a flat rooftop in Jerusalem with the night sky above. Jesus sits on the parapet of the roof with Nicodemus seated in front of him. A private conversation between two men. They've retreated to a quiet place away from the crowds, the crowds of people each of them deals with during the day. Stone stairs run up the side of a house to the roof, and they've walked up the steps to talk without interruption. Their words are recounted only in the Gospel of John. In fact, John's the only Gospel writer who even mentions Nicodemus. But in this Gospel, Nicodemus is mentioned in three different settings. Remember that. Nicodemus will figure three times in the Gospel of John. A learned man, a man of status in Jewish society, a Pharisee. Nicodemus comes to Jesus sincerely looking for answers. In this Gospel, John is careful to note that Nicodemus comes to Jesus in the night. This is not just a notation on the time of day. John uses the imagery of light and darkness as themes throughout the book. Right from the start, the gospel uses light to represent Christ. A life lived without faith in Christ is a life lived in darkness. Jesus himself declares in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So this detail about coming to Jesus at night also reflects on the nature of Nicodemus. He comes to Jesus in darkness because he does not yet belong to the light. He does not yet believe. But he feels the call to draw near and talk, perhaps to understand Their talk leaps into challenging concepts right from the start. Jesus says, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus argues. Referring to physical childbirth, he blurts out, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born again? Now, keep in mind that he's a learned man, but His argument involves only a literal meaning for Christ's words. Jesus explains he's talking about spiritual rebirth, not physical birth. Perhaps you have some sympathy for Nicodemus, as he strains to understand. This whole idea of Christians being born again in the Spirit is a topic that leaves many confused Part of the problem is our popular culture uses the term in a way that's different from what we understand from the Bible. Here's that awkward and unbiblical way of thinking we so often hear in the media. 
For some folks, the idea of being born again spiritually is all about a choice made by an individual. That person standing in the darkness in their broken and sinful state must turn by choice to the light of God, inviting Jesus into his heart to bring about a new life of faith. This makes of faith a team effort initiated by the believer and then assisted by the Lord. This incorrect understanding of being born again by personal choice is sometimes termed decision theology. Decision theology is very popular today. It is a characteristic of denominations that ask, have you made a decision for Christ? Have you invited Jesus into your heart? Now, the next thing I'm going to say is important. Decision theology runs counter to what we learn in Scripture, and so it's not what we teach in belief. Scripture guides us to the understanding that faith is not something we produce or decide upon. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. God in his grace, which is his undeserved love, gives us the great gift of faith. No one can claim the great good work of making the choice to believe in God because faith is a gift. If people believe they have chosen God, they make of faith the one great good work that each person must do to earn their salvation. Here's what I want you to hear. God chose you. God calls us, opens our hearts, gives us the gift of faith. We respond to this gift by repenting of sin and dedicating our lives to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. You do have the option to reject this gift. And sadly, many people do. So when it comes to faith and the salvation that comes through it, God does all the work, and to God alone goes the glory. Here's the way Luther phrases it in the small catechism. I believe that I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. We are called through the word of God and through holy baptism. Some people receive this gift as tiny ones through baptism. For those without prior baptism, the Lord calls them through the power of his word and gives the great gift of faith. Yes, We are born again, but we understand this biblically. We're not born again by our choice any more than we had a choice in our physical birth. We're born again spiritually by the power of God. He's chosen us, giving us this gift of faith. 
Now, I hope when I read the gospel lesson a few minutes ago, you notice that John 3.16, that beloved passage which begins, For God so loved the world, flows from this conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Many Bible commentaries believe that much beloved passage of Scripture is indeed part of this talk in the darkness. Jesus explains his coming is about salvation for the whole world, for the whole human race. But not everyone will be willing to embrace the gift. Some will turn away. In the language of John's gospel, some people will opt for the darkness instead. Now, you've been looking at this artwork for a while now, this sketch by Henry Osawa Tanner. It's a study for a carefully detailed, finished work. Let's look at that painting now. What do you see? Jesus still sits on the parapet of the flat roof with Nicodemus seated before him. A violet night sky hangs over the dim structures of Jerusalem in the background. In the lower right of the painting, you can see the stone stairs that run up the outside of the building, providing access to the roof. There are three patches of yellow light. Do you see them? Two of them on the top steps and one on the chest of Christ. The painter's creating a visual connection with the symbolism in the gospel. We see the contrast of darkness and light. It's night in the painting. But through the darkness shines great light, brilliant spotlights of yellow illuminating the night. Where's the light in the painting? It leads up the steps toward Jesus. And it also seems to emanate from Christ himself. It's very much as if Jesus is a lantern in the darkness for Nicodemus. Light and darkness. Nicodemus sits in the darkness, but he cannot help but see the light of Christ. We might wonder whether this deep theological discussion answers the questions of Nicodemus and whether he embraces in faith the truth that Jesus is the Christ? Or does he turn away from faith? Remember I mentioned Nicodemus figures three times in the Gospel of John. This is just our first encounter with Nicodemus. In the seventh chapter of the Gospel, we read of Nicodemus a second time. He's in conversation with the other Pharisees who are enraged at Jesus' teachings because some of Jesus' followers are calling him a prophet. Others are saying he is the Christ. Nicodemus speaks on behalf of Jesus, and the other Pharisees respond with a biting attack. And then in the 19th chapter, we see Nicodemus a third time on the Friday of the crucifixion. The body of Jesus has been removed from the cross, and Nicodemus is assisting in the preparations, having brought a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes to anoint Jesus for burial. 
the hands of Nicodemus helped to lay him in the tomb. He's now a faithful follower who's seen the light, remaining devoted in the darkest of times. In a few minutes, you will have the opportunity to partake of the body and blood of Jesus, crucified for you. His holy presence, true light in the darkness of this world, is offered to you. Receiving the sacrament, you are nourished in body and soul in a mystical union. Come in faith to receive the holy things of God. In the true body and blood of Jesus, God incarnate, light of the world. Amen.